Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Heavy Hitters Podcast, courtesy of High Tops Media. I'm your host, D. Gutik, and in this episode, I'm going to be talking to you about some NFL, give you my reaction to the Shohei Otani news regarding him joining the Dodgers, and of course, his contract. Along with that, I will be giving you my thoughts on the most interesting team in hockey right now, the New York Islanders. And of course, to close out the episode, I'm going to give you my predictions for this weekend's pay-per-view for UFC, UFC 296, the co-main event and main event, two title fights in one night. So without further ado, let's get right into it. So starting off with the NFL, very interesting week 14 that happened. I mean, I know I'm going to be talking about week 15 this episode, but man, there was a lot that happened in week 14. And looking at the standings, it is a bloodbath. I mean, you look at the AFC, you know, you have... The Chiefs, the Dolphins, the Ravens, of course, the Jaguars, your typical division leaders. And then you have the Bills, who are 7-6, and six, the Broncos, who are 7-6, and six, the Browns, who are 8-5, and five, the Steelers and Bengals, who are 7-6, and six, the Colts are 7-6, and six, the Texans are 7-6. and six. There are so many 7-6 and six teams and even 8-5 and five teams in this conference. It is insane. The AFC, like I said, it is a bloodbath. It is... It is insane. And then you go to the NFC. I mean, you already have an idea of the top three, top four teams and the Cowboys, the Niners, the Lions, the Eagles. Obviously, I'm not saying this in any order. And then after that, you have the NFC South and then you just have the wild card that's open. So the NFC feels more of like, okay, you got the Cowboys who are right now first place in the NFC East. You have the Niners who are first place in the NFC West. You have the Lions who are first place in the NFC North. And then there's just everybody else. I mean, of course, like I said, I mentioned the Eagles, the defending NFC champions, but after those three or four teams, it's like there's just everybody else in the NFC. Like, there's no, if there's a big gap between number four and number five, you can even argue there's a big gap between number three and number four. I mean, it's nothing against the Lions, it's just I can't put them there with the Eagles, Cowboys, and Niners. But with all that being said, here are my picks for Week 15. So the Thursday night game is tonight. By the time this comes out, it'll already be Friday. Chargers, Raiders, the Tankathon. For those who don't know, Justin Herbert out for the year in case you've missed it. That's right. Due to an injury into his hand, his index finger, he will be done for the year. The Raiders, on the other hand, Josh Jacobs will not be playing tonight. So both sides dealing with injuries. Also, the Chargers don't have Bosa yet. So that's another thing to take into account. I mean, it's who can tank harder this game, if we're being honest. The Raiders are not going to make the playoffs. The Chargers are not going to make the playoffs. I'm going to go with the home team in this one. I'm going to go with the Raiders. I mean, listen, I understand the Raiders. You know, yeah, that game, by the way, that game was one of the worst games I think I've ever had to watch. I mean, of course, I was following the Bills-Chiefs game more, but 3-0? Are you kidding me? I I expect that from an Iowa game. I don't expect that in an NFL game. The first points didn't come until late late in the third, excuse me, late in the fourth quarter, and even just seeing that, I was like, wow, this game sucks. I mean, you have no Kirk Cousins, you have no Jimmy Garoppolo, you got Aiden O'Connell versus Josh Dobbs, and then eventually Nick Mullins, who will be replacing Dobbs for this week for the Vikings. I mean, the Raiders, you, 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 I mean, listen, that, that was just an embarrassing loss. 3 nothing is embarrassing. I mean, let's get that out of the way, especially score zero points in a football game. My God, that team, 
it, I don't know. Listen, I'll give the Raiders this, and I saw this somewhere on Instagram. I think it was Gridiron Gridlock that posted this. 3 nothing is embarrassing, especially to be on the losing end of it. But the Raiders are competitive. The Raiders are a team that, you know, they don't really get blown out. They're competitive in almost every game they play in. I mean, the Chiefs game, they really didn't get blown out. You know, so I know they lost that game by 14. The Dolphins game, they lost by a touchdown. They beat the Jets. They beat the Giants. Like, the Raiders don't get blown out. The Raiders are not a horrible football team. Like, I'm not saying they're great. I would say they're below average, of course. But they, they don't suck like the Carolina Panthers. The Raiders have been in all those games. Then you have the Chargers. Like I said, they have their injuries. And on top of that, things have just not gone well for them. They lost the Broncos last week, which was pretty expected. I mean, I mean, these are two teams that, let's see who out-tanks one, you know, can the Raiders out-tank the Chargers? Can the Chargers out-tank the Raiders? Like I said, I'm going to take the Raiders in this one. If you have plans to watch a Thursday night game, I would change those plans, unless you're a Charger or a Raider fan or a football fan like myself, and maybe watch a different game or do something else, watch a different sport. But yeah, not excited for this game, unless you're a really big football fan like me that just likes to watch football no matter what. So I got the Raiders. Uh, by the way, the quarterback for this game for the Chargers will be Easton Stick. And no, not the hockey stick, Easton Stick. No, the football player, the quarterback. So with that being said, Easton Stick's going to lose this game. I think the Chargers are just going to tank harder in this game more than the Raiders. I think the Raiders win this game. And as a matter of fact, I am going to go. If I had a score prediction, I mean, maybe I'd become extra with Scorigami, but I guess I'll go with Raiders 9-7. to <laughs> You know what? The Raiders score no touchdowns and win this game. I, I, I know I'm not serious with my prediction, but I, I would say something like 9-7 to or maybe, maybe a 16-7, to a 16-6. to Either way, it's going to be a very weird, I'd say low-scoring game between two teams trying to tank, and I think the home team wins this one. All right, on to the next game. First set of Saturday games. Here we go. Triple header. Minnesota Vikings, Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. Now, I mentioned the Vikings winning last week against the Raiders 3 to nothing. They will be having a new quarterback in place. Justin Jefferson expected to play this week for the Vikings, so at least that's a boost for Minnesota. I mean, Justin Jefferson, of course, having the, arguably the best receiver in football in the game for you always is going to be a benefit. Yep, a day ago it said he'll play Saturday against the Bengals, so you have him, you have Addison Hawkinson. So luckily for Mullins, at least you have the core together to make it work. But then you have the Bengals. You know, even though the Vikings still didn't look good, you have the Bengals. They won 34-14 over the Colts last week. And I got to say, I was impressed with what I saw from the Bengals in that game. Of course, outside of the pick six that happened in that game, which of course tied the game for the Colts at halftime against the Bengals. But the Bengals took care of business in the second half. I mean, the Colts didn't score a single point in the second half. They lost by 20 points in this game. Browning, despite a pick, still looked good. Mixon looked good. I mean, I got to give it to the Bengals. They they gave the Colts a bit of a reality check. They put the Colts in their place. The Bengals wanted it more, and they got that game. So it was a big win for the Bengals. And, you know, say what you want. They beat the Jaguars. They, I mean, listen, now from beating the Jaguars, they beat the Colts. Two good wins back-to-back -back weeks for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think that's going to continue. So you know what? Even though I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings won this game, 
I think at the end of the day, even though Jake Browning might be due for a bad game eventually, I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals at home to defeat the Minnesota Vikings. Even though, like I said, one team has Jamar Chase and Jordan Addison, the other has T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. They just have more to work with. And on top of that, listen, the Bengals Bengals defense is solid too. So I, I feel like I trust, you know, Jake Browning more than Nick Mullins to make plays and to make those throws as well. So I got the Bengals in this one. On to the next game, Steelers-Colts. By the way, that Vikings-Bengals game at 1 o'clock on Saturday. Steelers-Colts at 4.30 in Indianapolis. I'm going to go with the Colts. The Steelers are terrible. I don't think there's any other way to put it. I mean, listen, when they had that 7-4 record they had at one point, I knew that they were going to drop a game or two eventually. You can't, with the way they escape these games, and even with their offense, it looks so unimpressive. Their way of playing and their way of winning is just not sustainable, especially in the long run. It caught up to them. They lost to the Cardinals, and then they lost to the Patriots at home. Two teams that are tanking beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Two bad losses for the Steelers, and I think losses that are going to see themselves out of the wild card race. This might be the year. This really might be the year that we see the Steelers finally with a losing record, and I think that losing streak continues. So I got the Indianapolis Colts at home. Despite losing to the Bengals, I think that'll be a slap in the face for them. I think this is going to wake them up more for the next game against the Steelers at home. A big game for both teams. I mean, all the Saturday games are really big. The Vikings-Bengals game is big, both for wild card implications in both conferences, NFC and AFC. Steelers-Colts AFC wild card uh, implications as well. I'm going to go with the Colts at home. I trust the Colts more. I trust Garner Minshew more. I Listen, I understand that they don't have Jonathan Taylor. But they still have a good defense. They still have Pittman, Downs. Zach Moss is having a solid year. I trust the Colts to make more plays on the offensive side. And I trust their defense to also get stops. I'm going to go with the Colts. And I think they're going to move to 8-6. and six. Saturday night football, 8-15. Broncos, Lions in Detroit. The Broncos have been on fire. I got to give it to them. I said stock up for them because they started 1-5 and five and now they're 7-6. and six. I think they moved down to 7-7, seven and seven, by the way. I got the Lions. Now, I understand the Lions have, have been looking pretty concerning to say the least. The Lions lost the Bears last week, 28-13 in Chicago. Now, listen, I'm not... I'm not going to knock the Lions completely. The Bears have the Bears haven't been playing terrible lately. And then you I mean, listen, still a bad loss of course for the Lions and a loss that I think knocks down a bit of their confidence and also a bit of their credibility for being honest. It's nothing against them like I said. It's just I don't know. Seeing the Lions lose the Bears, lose the Packers at home. They also escaped the Bears at home. The Lions have been looking a bit concerning and I think they need to fix that a bit. I think I'm not saying this is going to be a game where they fix it all, but I think this game could lead to step one of, all right, time to get it together again. Stop playing around. The Lions are at home, no less. The Broncos 7-6, and six, but you all, of course you know that the Lions are going to be a tougher game for them. I mean, Jared Goff is better than Easton Stick, but besides that, the Detroit Lions as a team are better than the Chargers, so this will be a tougher test for the Broncos and their defense. I'm going to go with the home team on this one. 
I think the Denver Broncos lose in Detroit. I got the Lions. Big game for the Lions, too, for NFC seeding. Also, big game for the Broncos because of the seeding and the wild card in the AFC. This is a team that's trying to battle for a playoff spot. So, I got the Lions. I think Jared Goff will have a better game this time around. Uh, Listen, I think the Broncos are going to give the Lions a good game. But I think the Lions escape at the end of the day. Next up, Giants-Saints in New Orleans. The Giants have been really interesting. The Giants have won three in a row. They've beaten the... I mean, they listen, they beat the Packers on Monday night last week. Then, before that, they defeated the Patriots. And, of course, they beat the, they beat the Commanders in D.C. So, the thing is... Or should I say in Landover, Maryland? But the thing is, though, the Giants... And, and again, I'm not knocking them... They beat a decent Packers team, but then Commanders and Patriots, I mean, you beat two teams that are just, they always have the Commanders number, and then, like I said, the Patriots, though, I mean, the Patriots just, they stink. The Patriots are not a good football team. I mean, the Giants, listen, I'll still give credit to the Giants, though. You have to win your games at the end of the day. It's every given Sunday, any given Sunday. I mean, the Giants are doing what they're supposed to do. That being said, I do think they're going to lose the Saints. I think this is going to be a tough game for the Giants. You're on the road. You're in a place that's always tough to play at in New Orleans, in the Dome. I think the Saints are going to win this game. Now, the Saints, of course, they didn't look great last week. I mean, I'm not saying that, oh, you're just saying that because, listen, they beat the Panthers 28-6, to okay? The Panthers are the worst team in football. I'm not going to hang a banner for you for beating the Panthers. I know it's a divisional game, but still, I'm not, no, no, come on. I Listen, I think the Saints are going to beat the Giants. I think DeVito, he's having a nice little Linsanity run. And as a matter of fact, I want that Linsanity run to continue for the Giants and Mr. Tommy Cutlets himself, Tommy DeVito. However, I think with every clear road, there's always a bump. There's always a pothole. There's always something in the way. I think this is going to be that. I got the Saints winning at home. I think the Saints defense is going to make it tough on the Giants. And it's nothing against the Giants. It's just for this game. This is your test. I'll believe it when I see it more. I'm not trying to take away from the three wins you've had, the three wins in a row. But if you win this game, if you're the Giants, who are, by the way, one game back. That's right. One game back of the last spot in the conference for the wild card. And I think two games back of the Vikings. The Giants win this game. My faith is restored in them, and I'll be like, all right, fine. They got a chance again, just like that. If they lose, though, then I think it takes a step back, and I think it'll be tougher for them. So big game for the Giants, and also big game for the Saints, because the NFC South is still up for grabs, especially considering how bad it's been. The Bucks are 6-7, and seven, the Falcons are 6-7, and seven, the Saints are 6-7 and seven as well. The NFC South is wide open to win. It's anybody's game, so it's a big game for both teams. But I think the Saints have the upper hand here. I'm going to give it to Derek Carr and the New Orleans Saints. Next game, Chicago Bears, Cleveland Browns. Of course, we're in the Sunday games now. I'm going to go with the Browns at home. Listen, Chicago couldn't win this game. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised, especially with the way the Bears looked last week and the way they've just been playing lately in general. I wouldn't be stunned if the Bears won this game at all. That being said... Joe Flacco has done a solid job thus far as the Browns quarterback. Now, here's the the hard part for the Cleveland Browns. 
Wills is hurt. Jones is hurt. Their offensive line has been getting decimated by injuries. And so is the team. Obviously, you know, Watson and Chubb were hurt. But now you have Delpit. Their defensive end got hurt as well. I mean, this team is getting battered left and right with injuries. So I feel bad for the Cleveland Browns because they have so much to deal with. And I feel like injuries, this game could definitely affect them. We'll see. But I don't like the Bears, even though, listen, they looked good last week and they beat the Lions. I'll give them that win. Ah, the Browns the Browns put up a solid showing against the Jaguars. And I'll, I'll give them that. The offense looked good, too. So I trust the Browns more at the end of the day. Flacco's done a decent job. I think he'll have another solid game. I think the Browns' defense will have a better game this week against the Bears. I think the Browns... The thing is with the Browns, their defense is so good. And for the Bears, Justin Fields hit faces a really tough defense and I think that defense is going to give him a ton of trouble so I got the Cleveland Browns at home and it just feels like the Browns really never lose at home either so I trust the Browns more in a game that means much more to them than it does the Bears I mean it's not that the Bears are out of it the Bears are also kind of in it for the NFC wildcard race the Browns the other hand they're in a playoff picture right now they're the fifth seed I believe in the AFC so I trust the Browns I trust the team that's been more consistent, and I trust the team with an elite defense that will get the job done. Give me the Browns at home to win. On to our next game now. Falcons-Panthers in Carolina. Falcons. I don't need to explain this. The Panthers are the worst team in football. I mean, it just... I seriously don't need to go in-depth with this one. The Panthers are terrible. And the Falcons are a better team. I know it's divisional. I know the Panthers are home, and maybe they can play spoiler, but I just don't see it. Carolina stinks, man. They are a mess all around. And I think the Falcons, they were close against the Bucks. The Bucks ended up winning that game. But at the end of the day, I got the Falcons winning in Carolina. Buccaneers, Packers in Green Bay. Now, the Buccaneers, they won in Atlanta. The Packers lost against the Giants. And listen... The Giants have looked better lately, so I think this will be a tougher game for the Bucks, especially at Lambeau Field in the cold. I think Jordan Love is going to have a bounce-back game. He looked good for three weeks in a row. He hit a bit of a bump against the Giants. He didn't look great against the Giants. Whereas for Mayfield, I mean, listen, I'll give it to the Bucks: 29 points, ideally almost 30 points against the Falcons, a solid Falcons defense, no less. Rashad White looked good as well. Godwin. I mean, this is a team that's been getting it done. So, at least from last week. So, I'm going to go with the Bucks to lose this game, though. I think, like I said, Love's due for a bounce-back game. I think he's going to have a bounce-back game. I think the Packers are going to play a better game in general offensively than they did against the Giants. And I think they go back to 7-7 seven and seven after this week. So, give me Green Bay. Jets, Dolphins. In Miami, a really interesting one because the Miami Dolphins, and I'm not saying that they're going to have half their team missing, but they are coming in a bit banged up heading into this matchup. And they're also coming off a loss against the Titans on Monday night, which, by the way, I cannot believe the Dolphins lost that game. And I'm not trying to taunt them or anything or mock them, none of that. It's just the Titans try to gift them this game. The Titans had... The interception, they had the pick six earlier. They had the fumble. They had turn. They had two turnovers in that game, the Titans. 
that led to touchdowns. And, like, looking back at it, yep, uh, five-yard interception return for the Dolphins. And then after that, you had... it's so, Well, sorry. They got set up with good field position because of the turnovers. You know, you had the Levis, like I said, the pick six. You had... The fumbles lost, two tight fumbles lost. Both of them ended up leading to Dolphins touchdowns. So you had the pick six. You had two fumbles that led to touchdowns. The Titans did everything they can to lose that game, and they still won. So I I think Miami's definitely going to be coming in mad, realizing they should have won the game from last week. But also for the Jets, they looked great against the Texans, man. I really have to say, Zach Wilson was awesome. The offense was clicking. Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, Conklin made some nice plays. The Jets looked good. I I have to commend them. I really do. The Dolphins, like I said, I I think they're coming in a bit banged up and a bit mad. Now, here's the thing. The Jets have a good defense. So the Jets' defense is going to give the Dolphins a bit of trouble. And I think they'll be better against Dolphins this time with Zach Wilson as compared to with Tim Boyle. Listen, Tim Boyle, I'm not saying that the Jets made the wrong move by benching Zach Wilson because they didn't. And Zach Wilson was struggling for a long time. But what I blame the Jets for is not addressing the backup quarterback situation and end up settling with Tim Boyle. I mean, I looked at Tim Boyle's college football stats and even some of his NFL stats. How is this guy in the NFL? How is this guy a starter in some football games? I mean... Like I said, the mistake is not benching Zach Wilson. It's just the problem was who you had after Zach Wilson and Simeon and, of course, Boyle. And now he's, you know, Zach Wilson plays against Texans. He looks good. I mean, I think, like I said, they'll be better this time around as compared to when they had Boyle. I'm not saying the Jets win. I have the Dolphins still winning this game. But I think the Jets' defense, similar to the Raiders a bit when the Dolphins played them, I think the Jets' defense is going to make it tough on the Dolphins for a bit. At the end of the day, I do think the Dolphins win this game at home. I think the Dolphins do pull away. So give me Tua and give me the Dolphins to still win this game. But do not be surprised if this is a closer game. Next game, Chiefs-Patriots in Foxborough. My lock of the week. I got the Kansas City Chiefs. And listen, at least for the 1 o'clock games, it's my lock of the week. Because here's the thing. The Chiefs, I mean... The Patriots are home, and I know they beat the Steelers, and I know the Chiefs lost the Bills, which, by the way, that was a crazy game with the crazy ending. I thought the touchdown was going to count. I thought the offside flag was going to be against the Bills or maybe an illegal formation against the Chiefs. But what I saw was offside on Kadarius Toney. I was just like, wow, the Bills got bailed out right there from embarrassment. And then, of course, you know, incomplete, fourth down, Bills take over, Bills win, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, seeing that game, it was just like, this is like the third game this year where the receiver loses the game for the Chiefs. The Lions, I mean, Tony had a terrible game. I'm not saying it was just him against the Lions that was terrible, but it was mainly him that spotlighted the terrible receiver game for the Chiefs against the Lions. The Eagles game, the receivers didn't look great. I mean, MVS had a really bad drop. Maybe some can argue, oh, it was a bit overthrown or he had it just for it. I mean, maybe it was a bit overthrown, but at the end of the day, the ball was in his hands. The ball was right there. You have to make the catch. You have to haul it in. And if he does, it's a Chiefs touchdown and maybe the Chiefs win. Actually, most likely they win. 
So that happens with MVS, the drop, and then the intentional grounding. Eagles win on Monday night. And then you go to the Bills game. I mean, Tony had a bad drop earlier on. And the route running for some of the chief receivers, I mean, it's just bad. I mean, not even some. I mean, I say some because I do like Rasheed Rice. Rice is a solid receiver. But, like, Sky Moore is not good. You know, MVS is not good enough. Tony is not good. The receivers are just awful in Kansas City outside of Rice. These guys just, they, the route running, the drops, it just, it feels like all the above for the Chiefs. And then after the, obviously talking about earlier, the bad drop from Tony earlier on in the game, you had that by a toe, by half a foot, whatever. Like seeing his toe and a good chunk of his foot on that marker, on the line of scrimmage, I was like, wow. And like I said, the Bills got the stop. They won the game. Another game where the receiver loses it for the Chiefs. So the Chiefs have been having a bit of a receiver problem. By the way, they lost back-to-back games. Uh, First time in a bit that Mahomes has lost back-to-back weeks. Uh, Big win for the Bills, obviously. They needed that game. McDermott (laughs) needed that game, especially with the whole saga he's had regarding the 9-11 speech that he gave the Bills. And also just considering that the Bills' playoff hopes were in jeopardy, the Bills needed that game. But the Chiefs, man, two weeks in a row, I think they realized, oh, listen, we lost the Packers. We lost the Bills. We've been screwing up lately. We need to get through us, and we need to win badly. The Chiefs definitely need to win bad. I mean, it's to the point where the Broncos are one game, one win behind the Kansas City Chiefs for first place in the AFC West, which I never thought I'd be saying, ever. So it's a really big game for the Chiefs. The Patriots obviously are also going to try and tank this game as well. Just like I mentioned earlier with the Chargers and Raiders, the Patriots will be tanking. The Chiefs will be looking to bounce back. I think they do bounce back. I think Mahomes has a better game. Um, I think Pacheco coming back most likely will have a better impact for the Chiefs' offense. I thought they were also missing him a bit last week. I know they have McKinnon, who's solid as well. They have Kelsey. The Chiefs' defense is really good, too. I got the Chiefs in this one. I think they're going to bounce back and pounce the Patriots. Next game, Texans-Titans in Tennessee. The Texans lost the Jets. The Titans beat the Dolphins. Titans are home in this one. I'm actually going to go with the Titans. Normally, I would pick the Texans in this game. C.J. Stroud, however, did not participate again due to a concussion. Nico Collins didn't participate in practice as well. The Texans have a few key injuries. Will Anderson is also. He didn't practice. You know, it's it's I, I'm a bit concerning with the Texans for the injuries, especially at the wrong time. Now, C.J. Stroud, I didn't see this till afterwards. He got a concussion in the Jets game near the end. Uh which, like I said, puts his fate, puts his status in jeopardy for this week's game against the Titans. A big game for the Texans, too, that'll try and help maybe get some insurance on their playoff spot. No Will Anderson for two days in a row. I have it right here. No Blake Cashman for two days in a row for practice. No Nico Collins. No George Fan. No CJ Stroud. No Thomas, their corner. So the Texans are dealing with a ton of injuries. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I understand Kyle Phillips, Raider, 
Jeffrey Simmons. Listen, I understand the Titans have their injuries, but for the Texans, this is worse with the amount of injuries they have, especially the key people I've mentioned on that injury list. So if CJ Stroud doesn't play, if all these guys don't play, or even most of them, which is expected, at least I'd assume right now, especially CJ Stroud, who has a concussion, I'm going to go with the Titans. Even like I said right now, as things stand with CJ Stroud possibly being out along with a lot of other key players for the Texans, I got the Titans in this game. Listen, Davis Mills is not a terrible quarterback, but I, I just can't trust him. And Will Levis, I'm not saying he was great against the Dolphins, but he made the plays he needed to make. I just don't like this Texans team with the injuries they have, and I don't like them without C.J. Stroud either. So I'm going to go with the Titans to play spoiler at home and defeat the Houston Texans, which would move the Texans down, by the way, to 7-7, putting their hopes in trouble. On to the 4 o'clock games, Niners-Cardinals. This is definitely my lock of the day. Are you kidding me? I think the Niners are going to blow out the Cardinals in Arizona. The Niners look like the best team in the NFL. Seeing that from the Eagles game a couple Sundays ago, seeing that against the Seahawks, I mean, this has to be the Niners here, right? I mean, they looked better than the Chiefs. They looked better than the Eagles. They actually beat up the Eagles. They looked better than the Cowboys. They also beat up on the Cowboys as well. Like, this has to be the year for the Niners. Purdy looks good. Debo looks good. Kittle looks good. Ayuk looks good. McCaffrey looks good. The defense is still elite. The coaching, Shanahan's awesome. Like, this has to be the year for the Niners. And this has to be the game they blow out the Cardinals. Give me the 49ers. Commanders, Rams in Los Angeles. Now, another interesting game. The Rams trying to fight their way back for a playoff spot. They did beat the Seahawks a couple of weeks ago. They did also beat the Browns. They lost in overtime, however, in a thrilling game. An awesome game to the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, listen, I thought the Rams were going to win in overtime. As a matter of fact, I thought the Rams, if I'm being honest with you, were going to win this game. Now, I did see the punt return. The refs, I thought, did miss a block in the back. But nonetheless... An amazing ending in Baltimore. Just too bad as a Bills fan seeing the Jets return a punt against the Bills. You know, that gives me some bad throwbacks to what happened earlier in the year. But that's not the point. The point is the Rams lost an exciting game. They didn't look horrible. They went, listen, they gave the Ravens everything they got. They went into Baltimore in a tough place against a tough defense and a tough team. And they almost beat that Ravens team. They just got unlucky at the end, and the Ravens made the big play with that return from Wallace. So the Rams, listen, they got stuff to play for. The Commanders, and I mean, it's just only a matter of time till Rivera gets fired, and also the Commanders are... I mean, I, I, just, look at a, I just look at them as they're out of it. They're 4-9. and nine. I, just, I just don't see it with them. So with that being said, I like the Rams better in this game. The Rams are the better team. The Rams are home. I think the Rams are going to try and bounce back from that Ravens game, knowing they could have won that game. So I'm going with the Rams at home. Next game, game of the week for sure, on Fox 425, Bills-Cowboys in Buffalo. The Bills got a big win in Kansas City that saves their season for now. Then the Cowboys, on the other hand, they get a big win of their own. They blow out the Eagles on Sunday Night Football last week. The Cowboys coming off a big win. The Cowboys really riding high heading into this game. They, I mean, they're on a five-game win streak. They're 10-3. and three. They're tied for first place in the NFC East with the Eagles. The Cowboys look really good. Now, here's the interesting thing with the Dallas Cowboys, and I saw the stats somewhere else. 
that not only do they average less points per game on the road, the Dallas Cowboys are 7-0 at home, right? They're undefeated. They're perfect. But they're 3-3 and on the road. They struggle a bit more on the road. So they're going to be coming into Buffalo, coming into the colder weather, playing a tougher team. The Bills are hungry right now. I'm not saying the Bills are going to win this game. Spoiler, I think the Cowboys win. I hope and pray that I'm wrong with this pick. I got the Cowboys, but it's not going to be easy for Dallas. The Bills have a tough defense. They got Josh Allen still who can win with the Bills on any given day. I mean, listen, of course he's cost them games like the Broncos and Jets game. I throw those games on Allen, but he's still a quarterback that's very good that gives his team any chance on any day. On top of that, you have Joe Brady. I think the Bills' offense looks better under Brady. They looked really good against the Eagles. They looked really good against the Jets' defense. They didn't look great against the Chiefs. I mean, the first half was solid for the Bills' offense. The second half, they shut down. I mean, especially the end of that game, the conservative play calling from Joe Brady. I like him a lot, but I expect Ken Dorsey to do those type of plays. I mean, listen, you have a first down. Why don't you just run out the clock and run the ball? You know the Chiefs couldn't stop run. They couldn't stop the run at that point of the game. And not only that, they were struggling for a bit against Cook and even Ty Johnson for a couple of runs and Josh Allen had a couple of runs as well. Like my whole thing was with the Bills that game, they escaped. Like yes, you got a big win, but the clock management was horrible and some of the play calls were horrible, especially in the second half, shying away a bit more from the run. I thought was a terrible idea. I hope I don't see them do that against the Cowboys. Listen, if the Bills want to win this game, which by the way, I think this game's going to be tougher than the Chiefs game, the Bills have to basically play the best game of their life. They have to play some perfect football. Basically do what they did against the Dolphins. You need to blow this team out. You need for your offense to score on every drive. You need their defense, the Bills defense to be exact, to stop the Cowboys, get, of course get some turnovers, but you need to get some stops and keep them off the field at all costs. Do not let the Cowboys drive down the field. And even if you do, you cannot let them score touchdowns. I expect the Cowboys to score a ton of points, obviously, but the Bills defense needs to not give the Cowboys as many opportunities as possible. And they need to win in the Battle of the Trenches. You need to protect Josh Allen, especially from Micah Parsons. But also, you need to get pressure on Dak Prescott and get home to him. So this is a really big game for both teams. The Cowboys for NFC seeding and NFC East, the division. The Bills to maybe have a bit of a chance in the AFC East. They're two games behind the Dolphins now. So maybe this game could help give them a bit of a chance. But also, this is bigger for them more so in terms of the wild card race for Buffalo. I got the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys win by a field goal, maybe five points. I think it's going to be a really close game. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills win. But I think this is going to be a tougher game for Buffalo. You're playing against a better offense. CeeDee Lamb, Gallup, Ferguson, Pollard. I just feel like the Cowboys offense has much more of a challenge to give the Bills. I feel like their defense, I'm not saying it's better than the Chiefs. I'm not saying it's worse, but their defense is still good. It's going to give Josh Allen problems. I would. Oh, that's another key for the Bills. Josh Allen has been turning the ball over every week. Yeah, uh, this needs to be the one week you do. I mean, obviously, I would like for this to happen the rest of the season, but starting this week, especially this week, you cannot turn over the ball once if you're Josh Allen. You cannot fumble. You cannot throw picks. 
This cannot happen in this game. Josh Allen needs to stay disciplined. So I got the Cowboys winning in Buffalo. I really hope I'm wrong. I want the Bills to win this game as a fan. And listen, we'll see what happens. But I think it's going to be a really good game in Buffalo. Now we move on to Sunday Night Football. Ravens-Jaguars in Jacksonville. I got the Ravens. Now, here's the thing. The Jaguars did not look good last week. Lawrence had a really bad game. Lawrence threw a few picks. He had he had three touchdowns but three interceptions. So he had a hat trick either way. So the Trevor Now listen, I don't blame Trevor Lawrence completely though. I don't think he should have played in that game. I said it before and I'll say it again. This was not the game to play Trevor Lawrence. You're playing against a really tough defense. You're coming off a game where on Monday night you just got injured. And I'll be honest, I thought it was going to be an Achilles injury or a high-grade ankle sprain. I thought, I mean, I wouldn't say I thought the injury was going to end his season, but I would say I thought it was going to end at least the regular season for him. I saw that injury on Monday night. A lot of people did. I felt really bad for Lawrence. I thought maybe that was going to hurt the Jaguars for the rest of the regular season, maybe even the whole year if he was deemed out for the rest of the year. But he played against the Browns. I don't. I think the Jaguars kind of rushed him back. You saw he got injured. Now he's on the road playing a tougher team with a tougher defense, an elite defense. I thought the Jaguars made a mistake by playing Lawrence, who I didn't think was 100% in this game against Cleveland. And the Jaguars paid for it. They lost, and Lawrence didn't look good at all. So the Browns, I mean, listen, the Browns got a big win, good for them, but I think the Jaguars made the wrong mistake here. I think they made the wrong choice. Then you got the Ravens, on the other hand, who looked good. They came off a great win against the Rams, a really exciting game. I like the Ravens a lot. I know they don't have Andrews, but you still have Zay Flowers. You still have Edwards, Mitchell. They still have the run game. I mean, they still have the defense as well. I think their defense is also going to make it tough on the Jaguars, similar to the Browns. I know the Jaguars are home. I know the Jaguars could win this game. I actually wouldn't be surprised if the Jaguars won this game. However, I'm going to go with the better quarterback at the moment. I am going to go with the better team, the better defense. I trust the Ravens' defense to get more stops and to force more turnovers. I trust Lamar to make more plays, a healthier Lamar, of course, than Trevor Lawrence. I got the Baltimore Ravens winning on Sunday night against the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville. And finally, my Monday night football pick, Eagles-Seahawks. In Seattle, I got the Eagles. Now, the Eagles are trying to bounce back this week. Listen, two weeks in a row, Niners and now Cowboys, they got their asses kicked on prime time, back-to-back on Sunday night football. So the Eagles are definitely going to be out for blood. They're going to be out for revenge. They're going to be out for, yeah, we need to get our shit together. That's what it is for the Eagles. And then you got the Seahawks. Seahawks lost to the Niners. The Seahawks, they also lost the Rams not too long ago as well. I mean, the Seahawks, they also lost the Cowboys on Thursday Night Football. So the Seahawks have also been in a slump of their own. The Seahawks have not looked good. And I mean, listen, I thought to myself, oh, they'll be fine. Nope, four losses in a row, two and five on the road, four and two at home. So at least they're home in this game. It could give them a bit of a chance, but there's nothing encouraging that I see from the Seattle Seahawks. There's nothing that convinces me and tells me that this team will be fine. I don't think the Seahawks will be fine. I would love for Geno Smith and Seahawks turning around. And a win like this, I mean, starting this week down the road can definitely help propel that and propel their playoff push. But I just can't trust the Seahawks right now. I can't pick them. They've lost four straight. They just don't look good. There's nothing good about them right now. I think they're going to lose five straight. I think this is going to be their fifth game in a row that they lose. 
I got the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they're due for a win. I think they're due to bounce back. They got slapped in the face twice. At the end of the day, you're the defending NFC champions. You realize you got beaten up twice. It's fine, but now you got to brush it off this week, and I think they're going to brush it off. I think Jalen Hurts has a better game along with A.J. Brown and DeAndre Swift. I think the Eagles offense will get it together this time against the Seahawks, and this is a good opportunity for them to do that as well. All right, now that we are done with football, let's head over now to baseball. The big signing that happened over the weekend last week, not too long ago, Shohei Otani leaving the Angels after six years. He signs with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He heads across town. He heads across to a different area. He's not in Anaheim. He's in L.A. And now, and by the way, when the contract came out, I was in awe. The contract that was initially reported was Shohei Otani to the L.A. Dodgers for 10 years and $700 million. Yes, you are hearing that correctly. The largest contract in professional sports history. However, the contract was structured in such a way that $68 million per season was deferred until after the end of his deal to be paid out from 2034 to 43. So what this means basically is the Dodgers initially signed him for 10 years, $700 million, $70 million a year. When I saw it came out, I was in awe. I thought he was going to go to the Blue Jays. I thought it was going to be the Dodgers or Blue Jays. I thought Blue Jays at first with the reports that were coming out, the Blue Jays' interest in him and all of that. But, the, I mean, listen, this was the kiss of death to Blue Jay fans. The moment that I heard that it was fake and the moment that I heard that he didn't make his decision yet and that Otani still didn't announce everything, it felt like they were going to get arson judged. Baseball fans know what I'm talking about exactly. And if you're not a baseball fan, or if you just don't know what I'm talking about, what I'm basically saying is John Heyman once reported, Arson Judge, Aaron Judge really, to the San Francisco Giants. Now let's forget the part quickly where he spelled his name wrong. He got the team wrong. Judge ended up resigning with the Yankees, obviously. So then I get a Twitter notification from MLB Trade Rumors. And that notification mentioned how Shohei Otani from MLB Trade Rumors was going to pick the Toronto Blue Jays and reportedly sign with them. But at the same time, I thought, okay, now MLB Trade Rumors is a good page. However, Payson didn't report on this, Rosenthal, not even John Heyman, no one I knew reported on this. So I thought something was wrong, or at least something felt off. Then I saw a repost from Payson on Twitter, or as they call it, X, that no decision has been made on Shohei Otani yet. And then I started to get the vibes of, not only is this going to be like Arson Judge, different sport, this reminds me of Kawhi Leonard before he went to the Clippers. So this felt like the kiss of death, really, to the Toronto Blue Jays and their fans. Think about it. Looking back as a Clipper fan to the Kawhi Leonard situation, everyone thought he was out. Broussard said something like, oh, according to sources, whatever, reportedly that the Clippers are out on Kawhi Leonard. A lot of other people thought it was just going to be the Raptors or Lakers. It ended up being the Clippers. This happened with the Yankees, Arson Judge. Oh, he's going to the Giants, Aaron Judge. He goes to the Yankees, he resigns there. Yep, we've seen this before. It is time to kiss him goodbye, Blue Jays fans. He's going to the Dodgers or he's going to the Giants. He's going elsewhere. This has already happened before with Judge and Leonard. It's going to happen now to your team. And basically, the Toronto Blue Jays got Arson Judged. They got Kawhi Leonard. The Dodgers end up with Otani with that contract. Now, going back to the contract, I was in awe when I first saw that it was going to be 10 years, 70 mil a year, 700 million total. And then seeing everything of, oh, nope, 
He is not making $70 million a year like I thought he was with this contract going forward. Before the start of next season, he'll be making only $2 million a year until his contract is up. Once his contract is up, he'll be making $68 million a year. And at that point, I just thought to myself, wow, I mean, good for the Dodgers for finding a loophole. I mean, this, I mean, listen, some people compare it to the Tampa Bay Lightning when they had to place a player on long-term major reserve and they were able to go a bit over the cap because of that. But this is different. The Dodgers found a way to escape a good chunk of that contract until it's over. So good for the Dodgers. And as I say that, they just acquired Tyler Glass now, starting pitcher from the Rays. Dodgers mean business, folks. That team is going all in. They basically took all their poker chips and have pushed it to the end of the table. They're like, you know what? Here, we want Glass now. We want Otani. We're still interested in Yamamoto. We want all of this. We are going all in. The Dodgers mean business, like I've already said before. The Dodgers are forming a super team. They're basically forming the Avengers Endgame. I mean, this is unbelievable what the Dodgers are doing. So what an offseason for them. Already the winners of the offseason. But yeah, I could not believe the Otani contract. And then seeing afterwards how they were able to pivot around it and find a loophole for Otani and be able to spend still. Like, they're still making trade deals. They're still interested in Yamamoto. Like I said, this team is doing all this. Now, I saw this somewhere else. People need to realize that Betts, Freeman, and obviously Otani are really the only three players before Glasnow obviously comes in. They're the main three players that are making the money. No one else really is. Like, they're not, they don't have, like, the Yankees have Soto, they have Cole, Stanton, Judge. Like, it's not like that. The Dodgers only have really three players that are making that type of money. So they have all the room in the world. Dodgers becoming the powerhouse, the evil empire of the National League. I, I mean, listen, I'm happy that the Dodgers are taking... I'll say this. Am I happy that a super team is being basically formed? No, because the Dodgers are going to be such a pain to deal with, at least for those in the NL. I'm an Oriole fan, so I'm happy that he's not in the conference anymore. But man, Glasnow, Otani on the same team with Freeman and Betts? Boy, the NL is in trouble, especially the NL West. The Dodgers are the evil empire. They have... I respect them, though, for taking away Glasnow and Otani from the AL, but Dodgers continue to make moves. All right, well, that will be it for baseball. That will be it for Otani. Congratulations for the Dodgers on winning the Otani sweepstakes and just, of course, acquiring Glasnow just now as well. I mean, that's just unbelievable. What a big win for the Dodgers. And now on to hockey, the most interesting team in hockey and the New York Islanders. I, I I don't understand this team. I'm an Islander fan, right? I don't understand this team. They seriously don't make any sense. They really don't. They, how many times can a team blow a game this season and still end up winning them? They blew a 2-0 lead against the Ducks. They blew a 3-1 lead against the Maple Leafs. They still won both those games, by the way. They blew a 4-1 lead against the Sharks. They lost them in overtime. This team has blown so many games this year. They also blew, I believe, a 3-1 to one lead against the Carolina Hurricanes. They ended up winning in overtime. Well, they just blew that game, period. But I, they, this team really doesn't make any sense. Seeing them, it's just like you, you don't know what to make of the New York Islanders. I understand that they are in second place of the Metropolitan Division. They are Four points 
behind the New York Rangers. The Rangers do have a game in hand. The Islanders at 35 points. They really make no sense. I don't understand how this team is second in the division. They are 7-1-2 in their last 10. They are winners of four straight games. It just really makes no sense. I expected a regression from them. Now, I understand Horvat for a full year, Engvall for a full year, but they have guys like Pelican Pollock that are injured. Aho was on the IR for a bit. Mayfield is now hurt. Like, their defense is battered and bruised. And Sorokin has given up more goals this year than last year. At least it feels like that. I mean, his GAA is higher for now. His goals against average. So there's that. But it just, I don't understand. Like I said, I understand the defense is depleted. But they're winning games even when they blow half of the games that they've blown. Like they did against the Toronto Maple Leafs and against the Anaheim Ducks. So here's the thing with the New York Islanders that are really interesting. They're not top five in scoring, obviously. The New York Islanders are, they are in the average, they're in the average range. They are 18th in goals per game at 3.07 in the NHL. So they're 18th, which is around the average mark. They're 23rd in shots on goal with 30. However, this is the thing that really gets me. I mean, obviously, they're 12th in faceoff, so they're above average in the faceoff percentage, the faceoff wins. But they are 9th in power play percentage. Yep, you're hearing that right. They have a top 10 power play in the NHL, which is something that I never thought I'd be saying. So this team doesn't generate a lot of shots on goals. But they have a top 10 power play. The Islanders are ninth in the NHL with power play percentage. They convert on 24.36% of their power plays. So they're really good on the power plays. They have the shorthanded King, Simone Holmstrom, who leads the NHL with shorthanded goals. So the thing with the Islanders is they are a weird team. Sorokin hasn't been as sharp. Granted, the defense hasn't been great at all, and they've also been battered and bruised. But the Islanders, their power play is good. They get a ton of shorthanded goals. Their penalty kill, now, listen, the stats are partially inflated with that. And I say partially because if you look at the Devils game, for example, and even the Avalanche game, the Islanders' penalty kill, I mean, they gave up a lot of power play goals, which is why they're 29th in the league on the power play, uh, excuse me, on the penalty kill. But that's the problem with the Islanders. Their penalty kill, even excluding those games, their penalty kill still hasn't been great. They kill off 72.62% of penalties. Now, some might say, oh, it's still a good percentage, but compared to 90% penalty kill, the Bruins, 87%, almost 88% actually for the Kings, and then the Vegas Golden Knights, 87.21% penalty kill percentage. I mean, that's the thing. It's weird with the Islanders. Like, they don't... Their penalty kill hasn't been great compared to other teams. It's actually been piss poor, even excluding those two games. And like I said, on top of that, they don't score a lot. I mean, their offense has gone from below average last year to this year average, but it's their special teams. Basically, for NFL fans out there, and if they say explain in NFL terms, winning the game in the trenches, special teams, basically. They're winning with the power play. They're winning with shorthanded goals. Their penalty kill... It's not great, but it's, at least like I said, I know they're ranked bottom five, but excluding those two games, right, their penalty kill is not horrible, despite being ranked 29th. I know people are going to laugh at this and say, how can you say that for a team that's ranked 29th or bottom five, whatever, in the penalty kill? You don't know hockey. What are you talking about? No. Like I said, you exclude those two games, they're going to obviously be higher. 
but I'm still not going to take away the fact that their penalty kill still isn't great. But it's not as bad as that, like what those two games make it out to be. So exclude that for a bit. They have the shorthanded goals. They have the power play percentage. They're ninth in the power play, which is, again, never thought I'd be saying that ever. I mean, you have that. You have the offense that's been a bit better. Horvat's looked good. Dobson's taken the next step. Engvall's been good. Holmstrom's been good. Barzell. So you have these play. Paul Mary's been solid. You have the players that are stepping up. And you have guys like Dobson and even Romanov that have been better. So you still have Sorokin. Varlamov has still been good. The Islanders are weird. Like, I don't like Lane Lambert. I think Lane Lambert's not a great coach, and he has them undisciplined, and the team blows a game every week, win or lose. But the Islanders, they're gritty. They're pesky. They find ways to win, whether it's ugly, whether it's pretty. They find a way to escape these games. They're getting points at the end of the day. And even, like, when they lost the Sharks, I'm surprised they still blew that game. Like, oh, they got an overtime point. Oh, Canucks, overtime point. Like, this team are point merchants. They find a way to get a point when they need to, whether it's winning or whether it's an overtime loss. So I will give the Islanders their due in terms of the offense has been better this year. As taken, I mean, not by a lot. Like, I'm not saying they're elite, but I would say it's in the average tier. Like, they've been better, though, still. Their power play and their shorthanded goal, their penalty kill, it's their special team, especially the power play, that has made them better and why they're like this. I, I, just, I just, they don't make sense. Like, I understand at least the Red Wings, they have a good offense. They have a solid team. The Bruins looked really good. The Panthers, the Leafs, the Rangers look really good. I mean, the Golden Knights, the Avalanche, the Canucks. Like, even the Kings, I understand those teams because I expect those teams to do good, but I know what those teams, their pros and cons are, their strengths and their weaknesses. The Islanders, so you're telling me that the defense from last year and the defense this year, they switched roles. Like, now they went from very good to just not good. And the offense last year, which was, let's be honest, terrible, to average. Like, this offense is terrible to below average to average. Like, you're telling me that these two teams swapped sides. The Islanders make no sense. But I love it for some reason. Like I said, obviously I don't like the coach. I think Lou has also done not a great job of constructing this team, especially in a loaded Eastern Conference. But they're interesting, and they're finding ways to win. I do think the Islanders need to add another piece because I don't think Wallstrom has panned out for them. And considering that they were hoping that he'd pan out, that draft pick for Wallstrom hasn't panned out for the Islanders. I mean, the Islanders are going to have to do their due diligence and trade for a top-six winger, which they need. But nonetheless... The Islanders, second in the Metro, like I said, four-game win streak, 7-1-2 of their last 10. They won last night against the Ducks. They escaped with a shorthanded goal by Holmstrom late in the game, the shorthanded king. Yeah, um, the Islanders are a very interesting team. They are the, like, some Instagram post from the Islanders said pesky. I'm like, no, I call them double I, the interesting Islanders, because they're interesting they are just something about this team that is interesting. Like, even if you watch them the way like I do, for example, you, you can't put your finger on it. But it's like there's something about this team that makes no sense. But it's interesting, especially with the, how they win these games. 
And of course, how can I forget about Brock Nelson, who's also been playing well for the Islanders. The Islanders have had a ton of pieces, at least for the top six, top nine, that are playing well. Like, the fourth line is still decent. The third line with Padjo, Holmstrom, the, the third line is still pretty good. The top six is solid. They still need another piece or two. But the Islanders' offense, they're, like, their attack just looks better. But the defense, I mean, like I said, granted that they're battered and bruised with injuries, the defense still needs a ton of work. And they have players up the, on the team like Boldick that I don't think are ready at least to be on the team or just not cut out to be on the team. But that's just my opinion. The Islanders continue to be the most interesting team in hockey. And I don't mean it as in, oh, they're an exciting team. I mean it as in, they just make no sense. They're very confusing. They're unpredictable. But that's it for the Islanders segment. It is time now to do my predictions and close this episode out with UFC 296. So I'm going to start off with the co-main event, Alexandre Pantoja versus Brandon Roy Val for the UFC Flyweight Championship. You know, I'm just going to say it right now. I think Pantoja is going to win by submission in round two. I think that round one will start off as both opponents figuring each other out. And I think Pantoja near the end will start to build some steam, build some confidence and take the first round. And I think in the second round, I think Pantoja is going to be all over him. I think he's going to get him to the ground, get his submission, use a jiu-jitsu on him and get the victory in the second round. Roy Fowles looked very good during his three-fight win streak. I will give that to him. And he could win this fight. Say what you want. But at the end of the day... I just think that Pantoja is going to be too much for Roy Val. I think he's going to do, let his ground game do the talking. I think he's going to let his jiu-jitsu do the talking. And I think the submission artist is going to get the finished in the second round. So I am going to go with Pantoja to defeat Roy Val for the co-main event by submission in the second round. And I think he will remain the flyweight champion. And now my main event predictions, Colby Covington, Leon Edwards. Colby Covington could definitely win this fight. I really do believe that. However, here's the thing with Colby Covington. His last few wins, he fought Jorge Masvidal. His last fight was in 2022, so it's been over a year and a half. He fought Tyron Woodley. I'm not going to include his losses to Usman. He fought Tyron Woodley in 2021, who was basically at the end of his career. And same thing with Robbie Lawler when he beat him in 2019. So it's like his last three wins, however, have been against fighters who are at the end of their career or at least are on a downfall. He lost to Usman twice. I mean, Usman eventually lost to Leon Edwards soon. But I, I, I don't know. With Covington, he hasn't fought in a bit. He's been pretty inactive. The guy, like I said, his last three wins are against fighters that were at the end of their careers. At least, I mean, Lawler retired and Woodley was fighting Jake Paul. And Masvidal, we haven't heard from in quite some time. So these are fighters on the decline now he's fighting a champion that's been active, a guy that's going to give him a really tough time. I like Leon Edwards a lot. Edwards, he defeated Usman twice. He had a nice knockout in the first fight in the fifth round, which caught us all by surprise. The second fight, he looked better. He's got good takedown defense. He's got good striking. He's got good stand-up. I like Edwards. I think he's a nightmare for a lot of wrestlers. Good takedown defense, can read you well, you know, has... He has the awareness, has the vision, he's got good striking, he's disciplined, he has good defense, basically. I mean, I used to think that Covington and Usman were the two best welterweights on earth. I'll be honest with you, I really did. Especially after that first fight, I really thought, okay, Covington's going to lose this fight, 
and he's going to lose the second one if they fight each other. He did end up losing by a unanimous decision to Usman. But this guy is going to be a champion someday. And him and Usman are the king of the mountains in the welterweight division. And especially after Edwards almost lost that Diaz fight. I'm not saying Edwards was going to lose. Edwards was still winning on the scorecards. But that fifth round when he got stunned, I thought Diaz had a chance at finishing him. That fight and seeing Edwards, you know, barely escape the fifth round. Seeing Usman and Covington... I just thought to myself, Edwards is not there yet. Nope, we're well past that. Edwards has been better since then. He beat Usman twice. He looked good, especially in that second fight. Edwards, listen, he, he got him two straight losses in Covington. I'll be honest with you, I'm, really, I'm really surprised Covington got the title shot considering he hasn't fought in quite some time. But I just, I, I don't know, I don't see it in Covington. Uh, Covington... I think can win this fight especially with his wrestling and I wouldn't be surprised if he did and listen I would like Covington more in this fight if he wasn't so inactive and if his last three fights weren't against people that were declining against fighters that were like I said at the near end of their career I would have liked Covington but seeing that he hasn't fought for a long time I know he's had his thing with Masvidal and if you mix those three of his legal battle with Masvidal, his inactivity since he hasn't fought since March 2022, early March to be exact, along with that, his last three wins being against declining fighters who are at the end of their career, I would like Covington's chances better. But with all those three combined, I don't know. I just don't know if I see it. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Covington won. If Covington won, I think it would be by decision. I wouldn't be surprised if this fight hadn't finished, especially for Edwards. But at the end of the day, I am going to go with Leon Edwards. You know what? I think it's going to be a very good fight, though. I think Covington's going to surprise me a bit. I think he might surprise Edwards a bit. I am going to go with Leon Edwards by split decision for the main event. I think Leon Edwards is going to win a close fight. I think Covington's wrestling is going to make it close. I think he'll give Edwards a tough time. But I think Edwards is going to display his defense and display his striking. So I got Edwards in a close welterweight bout in the main event by split decision. Give me Edwards to stay as the champion of the welterweight division. And this would be really impressive for him too, for Leon Edwards. I, I would actually give him a lot of credit. I mean, if he were to beat Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington in the same year, I would be really impressed. Because think about that. Two of the kings of the welterweight division at one point beaten by the same guy within a year. That would be unbelievable for Edwards. So Edwards has a chance to do something very cool. So with that being said, that is going to do it for this episode of the Heavy Hitters Podcast. This podcast is produced and engineered by me, Dean Gutick. This podcast is executive produced by Gavin Berger with High Tops Media. You can rate and review Heavy Hitters on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heavy Hitters HTM and see more of our content with High Tops Media and High Top Sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at High Tops Media and on Instagram at High Top Sports. Thank you for listening to the Heavy Hitters Podcast. I'm Dean Gutick saying see you next time for the next episode of Heavy Hitters.